Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hello and welcome to New Business Paradigms. I'm Christy Jansen, Executive Director at the World Business Academy. We are thrilled to be bringing you this special edition of the New Business Paradigms podcast with Ronaldo Brudico, the Academy's president and founder. The World Business Academy is a 501c3 nonprofit action incubator dedicated to elevating the consciousness of people in the business community and encouraging business leaders to use their power and influence to take greater responsibility for the communities and the environment their work touches. We are recording this show on May 13th, 2021. The last time we got together in this audio space was on July 18th, 2020. And so it's been a long time, and I'm so excited to uh, bring Ronaldo on. But before we get going, I want to invite our listeners to reach out to us at info at worldbusiness.org. If you have questions or comments about today's show, about our newsletter, which is sent out on a weekly basis, that's called Perspectives, or if you have anything you would like for us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. We are right now seeking funding to relaunch this podcast on a monthly basis. So if you guys are interested in stepping up or if you have any uh, support you can offer, we I would love to hear from you. Please reach out. All right. Well, Ronaldo. Can I add something to that? Yes, please. Yeah. Hi, everyone. It's good to be back. Um, we never left, but we stopped recording the show. And um, one of the reasons was when we started doing the column, Perspectives, it's a weekly column. It's a thousand words, which, by the way, if you're not reading it, I think you'd like it, so I urge you to do so. Uh, we found that even though it had a relatively smaller audience, probably a thousand or two, as opposed to the, this audience, which is quite a bit larger than that, multiples of that, um, we got a lot of engagement from people. The Montecito Journal, the, where we started publishing it, had recently been acquired by a private shareholder group that wanted to turn it into a real newspaper, local news, and quality local, local news, as opposed to what it was prior to that, which was a social kind of a, uh, a social journal where you, you know, they had pictures of all the right people at all the right parties and drinking all the right beverages with all the right black tie. <laughs> That's what it was. And they asked us to start putting the column out in January of last year as a way to help show that we were moving the publication into something that was more serious journalism. And so I'm very glad we did it. Uh, we have been publishing every week. Was, I guess January wasn't January. It was like maybe February, March we started. But, but no, we started in January of 2020. Okay, yeah, so we started. It's been start... going on for more than a year now, and uh, yeah. it's a great column, but it's a different format. Very different. And I think and it, we have a slightly different audience than our podcast. Yeah, and that's what I was going to talk about. So, so th- we did have more engagement, which is great, which surprised me because this show deals more with personal economics, and that column deals with observations that are current, contemporary, and, right. and sometimes uh, they're social stories, but they're also with political overtures or with other observations. Anyway, th- what I wanted to share was, I really loved doing the show. We were doing it all, what, for over a decade we did this show, and I'd love to be able to go back and do it at least once a month because I think that um, things are about to change again. When we, when we went off the air in July last year, we said it's, it's, we're, we're going to like hunker down with everybody else. COVID was sweeping 
um, the world. We'd, we'd started tracking the COVID story in December of 2019. We saw it starting to hit massively in January and February. And by July, it was clear we were going into a place where uh, everybody, everything, all bets were off. Every every week. At that time, we were doing a weekly yeah. feed. And it was just, it was too depressing almost well, to it was keep just, talking about. It. Nothing was changing. Yeah, it was changing we for were, the worst every was, day. The racial reckoning was going on. Yeah. Uh, the, the, that was the summer surge, which was yep. pretty intense yeah. at that time. Yeah. So doing yeah. a financial advisory show in the middle of that seemed to be a bit like rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic. Yeah. It didn't seem like it would make a lot of difference. But we're back now uh, for a couple of reasons, which I think is really important. I, and, and, I, and I want to just remind everybody, what this show is designed to do is to help you preserve capital. What I've always said over the years is, I'm doing this because I want, quote, the little people, the people who don't have a lot of money to be able to pay for the kind of advice we give, um, who have limited financial resources, who really want to retire with dignity. They want to save up enough to do that. I mean, their entire nest egg is, is, is measured in thousands of dollars, not in tens of millions of dollars. And, and so it's really important from our point of view to put out something that we think is a safe trajectory for a solid financial future, no matter what winds are blowing. And we've been very successful at doing that over the years, and we're going to resume doing that. And, and, and what triggered today's conversation was... Uh, coincidentally, the mask mandate ended today, which we sort of saw coming. But what really triggered this was the word inflation started buzzing on everybody's lips a week ago. Um, the bounce back in GDP started, you know, affecting people. Uh, it was clear the vaccination program was working. We were coming out of COVID. So everybody began to like re-look re at, okay, so if we're coming out of the cave into the light of day, what does that light say to us, particularly in law and since we're looking at an all-time high stock market, which has no justification for the numbers it's at. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, and, and, and the amount of, of gambling going on in the financial markets is astounding. <laughs> I mean, to put it mildly. And All kinds of, even even uh, the digital currency market. Well, digital, as, particularly, as well. I mean, Bitcoin, yeah. you know. Bitcoin, uh, Dogecoin. Yeah, Dogecoin, which is just a complete joke. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, it's, you know, so it's ridiculous. Anyway, my point is that um, in looking at all that, we decided, well, we would like to come back on the air and give people our take on some of the key issues, inflation, Biden's stimulus bill, our unemployment benefits, keeping people from working, the overall economy. Should there be relief from the cap on salt taxes? And probably what do we think of Biden's tax structure for paying for this new uh, Build It Back Better? And ultimately, the Families Act, which is going to be behind it. So um, with all that in mind, let's get started. And, and, and I hope this will be useful to you. I hope you'll like it. And I hope to hear from more of you. Uh, and if, you, if we do, then we will start doing the show at least once a month, which is probably going to be important given how fast things are going to be changing. So let's start with inflation because it's on everybody's mind, everybody's lips. Do we have a serious inflation worry or not? Presently, it does not appear that we do yet. A couple of reasons that is true. Number one, you never, and I'm quoting Paul Krugman here because I think he's right about this, you never try to make any serious decision based on one month worth of data, just for openers. Number two, for those people who don't look at this stuff carefully, you might not be aware that the economy did not add 265,000 jobs in April, as was reported. It actually added slightly over 1 million jobs. Why are they reporting 265,000? Because... The, the Bureau, in its wisdom, decided to index the 265,000 number against what historically would have happened in a normal spring. So I don't, I, I don't completely understand that. 
Okay, so the actual number of jobs that got created was over a million. Mm -hmm. They reported it at 265,000 because they indexed it. So they said in a normal year, we would have had this many jobs coming into the spring because spring usually has an uptick to it. Mm -hmm. And so you always, they historically always normalize for the season, right? Okay. Okay. Well, one of the questions that I would raise is there is nothing normal about the COVID season we just came through. Yeah. This is not a normal spring. So the, the seasonally a, adjusted spring numbers. The seasonal adjustment was wrong this year. Yeah. The raw numbers more closely accurate because it's telling you what's really happened. We got 8 million jobs still missing. Okay. Yeah. Let's start with that number of which a million came back in April. You can't go around seasonally adjusting things that are ma- that massively out of whack. Okay. Number two. So first and foremost, look carefully at the data. It's, it's, it's incredibly important to do so. Number two, um, the possibility is extremely high that what's keeping people from going back to work, particularly if they're female, is that the kids are not in school Yeah, and they can't do kids in school both. And that's something that in, in, in these jobs numbers, which isn't in your rundown, but I think women actually lost jobs. Yeah, they lost jobs. They lost, the, net, the net jobs for women in April was a net loss of about uh, 60,000. Adjusted. It was actually a gain unadjusted. Okay. But it was a net loss. But a net correct. loss. Yeah. And, and that adjustment. is, I think that is almost primarily, mostly because of childcare. It has to be. Because of school. Well, and by the way, childcare's not the only thing now. Notice that. And elder quick care. Elder care is getting to be Absolutely. almost as big as childcare. Absolutely. And, and I, I, being a middle-aged woman, I have it on both sides. Yeah. And, and it's the women who have to deal with our aging parents or grandparents yeah. and yeah. our our kids. And, and our, if your kids are young and need help doing their schooling because it's still largely remote, or if it's not remote, it's unstable. If you have a kid who gets sick or somebody in their class gets sick and the whole classroom gets sent home for a week, that is a real problem. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and and. Two things are going to happen now to cause this whole thing to shift. Number one, the schools are all going to be reopening. Mm-hmm. There won't be any schools closed in the fall. No. And my guess is there'll be a whole slew of them opening in the next week or so because the American Federation of Teachers, AFT, the second largest teachers union in the country, just today came out and said uh, there's no reason to keep them closed anymore because the teachers who want can get vaccinated. It's most of them probably already are. And now they're going to vaccinate 12-year-olds. Yeah, I know. And so it, it's, know. there's no reason to keep the schools closed. When the cool schools close, that will free up women back into the workforce. I think a third factor that people look at, you've got to go look at where the numbers hit, the real numbers. Because people look at the headlines, they don't look underneath them, and then they get, this, they get the wrong information. We had a loss in manufacturing jobs at a time when the purchase of hard goods has never been higher since the 50s. Hmm. Well, how could that happen? One simple reason is a chip shortage. Yes. Car factories all over America had to slow down. Supply chain mess. Uh, I'll give you an example. In our little organic food company, we ordered glass bottles, glass jars, last September. They arrived about 10 days ago after repeated delays. And in that, it was seven weeks on the water because two and a half, three weeks, they were sitting outside the port of Long Beach. You couldn't get a dock. Right, right. And that's because all the Chinese... Well, the containers in the, the shipping industry in the world are basically Chinese. They come out of China. And because China's been shipping out 
but without shipping anything in. And if they haven't bounced, and so there's containers mismatched. And they're sort of stuck in random places like in Indonesia or Australia or... Exactly. (laughs) They're not in places that they normally get... Yeah, and and it's just we don't have the surplus, we we, we don't have the the fluidity Mm -hmm. of those containers. So the whole international shipping world has upside down. So when you look at these factors, and a couple other things, the... If you look at the number of people, well, let's let's just stop. Those are the factors which tell me that there is not a problem with employment, mm-hmm. and that there will not be a problem with employment. Employment, we the the, the number of jobs, which was nine hundred and some thousand the prior month, and a million this month if you do it unadjusted. Those jobs are going to keep ramping up, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, I believe that we are going to have the strongest economic recovery since 1958 which if you think about it covers a lot of recoveries a lot of recoveries and you don't so you don't buy the argument that the extended unemployment benefits are keeping people out of the workforce no no now i want to go to that one because that's the next point so that's hokum that's completely phony Mm -hmm. and 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 you know one of the more retrograde banks i don't like it at all it's run by jamie diamond is jp morgan morgan chase rather um and and um they came out with a definitive study that it's not holding anybody back Mm -hmm. in fact if you look at it, the number of people who have entered the workforce right. was the largest number it's been in several years. There's more people looking, looking. for jobs than there more have been looking. for That's a right. decade, yeah. probably, so, since so, 2008 or something. So saying that they sure, don't but... want to go to work doesn't fit with the data. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another thing that doesn't fit with the data is we have a um, historical bias in this country. And the historical bias is that we have a... Um, desire to want people to work as cheap as they possibly can if they're at the bottom of the food chain. And that bias is wrong. It's flawed in every sense, including it's bad for well, our macro it suppresses the economy. It suppresses the economy on right. their backs. Yeah. And so I think part of why some people are not yeah. going back to work, particularly in the hospitality industry, is because with a year off to think about it, they're going, you know, do I really want to work right. for $2 an hour plus tips? I mean, I just gave you the with, price of a waiter with, in New York, right? You know, right. With unstable schedules no. you don't know when you're going to get called in you can't get child care you yeah. can't there's nothing as stable can you really afford to do that yeah i think it's in the question is is, is you, you whether you can't afford or not you're starting to think well am i that much of a victim of this right. system right so one of the problems i've had is that one of the two political parties in this case the republican party historically has always fought anything which led to an increase in the lowest income people's wages. They've been against raising the minimum wage, which is crazy. They've been against, like like nine states, nine governors have now suspended giving their people uh, the $600, a, uh, no, $300, $300, now, $300 extra, extra yeah. per week. And, and, and which is crazy because that's money that would go into their state's local economies. That's, and that's federal money that their states didn't put up. So they're shooting themselves in the foot. Why? Because of a mistaken and I'm going to call it a Protestant work ethic kind of mm-hmm. approach. It's like, you know, like, you know, work them hard. It's like, it's like, it, it reminds me of a Dickens novel. It's like, you know, keep them working in the, in the factory, keep them working, you know, mm-hmm. hard. And then, then, you know, like 12 hour days are fine. It builds character. Six days a week is just fine. You know, that kind of mentality, this Dickinsonian mentality continues to pervade us to this day. So you get a situation now where yesterday McDonald's finally raised its wages and it needed to. Because if it doesn't raise its wages, why on earth will people want to go back to work for basically below survival? 
So to me, and we've often talked about it in our column, we talked about it in this show last year, I want to see a minimum wage for a 40-hour-a-week person gives you enough money to live above the poverty line. Is that a lot to ask? Or are, do we want to grind people down so bad that they stay in poverty even when they're working 40 hours a week? And by the way, some people are staying in poverty working 60 hours a week. Absolutely. And the, the, the other issue there is that there's so much labor, which is unpaid, which is still being done. And again, that, that goes towards child care, it goes towards elder care, it goes towards home care. That also isn't, you know, that's, that's another, another factor that you yeah. have to yeah. somehow account for in, yeah. our, in our economy, yeah. which right now isn't being No, it isn't, it isn't accounted for. And, and, and I'm delighted that it's starting to get looked at. It's like, what mm-hmm. is the economic value of a mother staying home with her children, which is enormous. But anyway, so, so if you look at the data below the headline, you'll see that actually job increases in hospitality, which are the lowest paid which shoots right. this thing, that the theory down that they don't want to go back to work because that pff, the manufacturing fell. Hospitality grew last month. And, and those are the least well-paying jobs. And we're still asking these people to work below minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And, and again, the definition to me of minimum wage is not the federal minimum wage, which is way too low. It's what does it take to stay above the poverty line? Because if you're going to work 40 hours a week, why should you be below the poverty line? I mean, I just have, I can't get, I can't wrap my head around that. How can you ask people to work 40 hours a week and be civically minded and stay below the poverty line. It's yeah. just wrong. It's morally wrong and it's bad economics. It's very bad economics. So why are we sitting on the boom we're about to, we're about to experience? And this is going to be a boom year. We're sitting on it because the savings rate today is higher than it's been at any time in the last certainly 40 years, yeah. maybe longer, probably longer, probably 60 years. And that savings rate from pent up demand, so we couldn't spend it because we were at home. We got all that money from the stimulus, so that's washing around people's bank. So the individual savings rate is astronomically high. They're high. And so people are going to start spending. Right. And they're going to spend on hard goods and soft goods both. They're going to start going back to the movie theaters. And at the end of the day, it's their money in the pockets of the little people is what makes the economy go full stop. When you give a tax break, as we learned once again, and we predicted this when we saw this thing happening, when the Trump tax break went through to the wealthy, we said it won't increase the economy at all. It's, it's just throwing money away because when you give somebody a um, dollar who already has a billion, it doesn't change their spending right. pattern. They just invest it or save it. And, That's right. You yeah. give a dollar to somebody who's used to making $7 an hour and they're going to spend every penny up. Mm-hmm. They have to to survive. So that's how you make economies grow, a strong middle class. And what we've done in this country is we've been hollowing out and hollowing out and hollowing out. I am so glad that Biden realizes that's probably the number one economic problem this country faces, hollowing out the middle class. I think he gets that. And as a result, I think the Biden plan is an excellent plan. Now, of course, it's going to cut in in several different directions. Let me wrap up on inflation. Then let's talk about who's going to pay for this thing. So on inflation, here's what I'm going to wait and see. As I start out saying, you don't want to make any conclusions based on one month with the data. And I do challenge that the Bureau of Labor Statistics is using a normalized spring recalculation to, de- to determine the actual unemployment this number when the number was actually... Year. This is not a normal <laughs> not year. Not a normal this year. This is everything... This is so abnormal. There's never been a year like this. I mean, maybe you could say uh, 1918 during this, uh, the Spanish flu epidemic, maybe coming out of that. If you want to normalize to what happened the year after that, I'm okay with that. But that's not what they did. They normalized it to like, you know, the year 2019. So what we have to do is we have to look at this and say, okay, if 
we're sitting here at a, an inflation rate that has historically been running at about 2% a year come hell or high water for at least 20 some years. And if you want to look at that inflation rate and you say, okay, we just hit what looks like a 4.2% inflation rate if it sticks. In other words, on an annualized mm-hmm. basis, if it sticks, we're talking about 4.2. Some people could see um, it even going higher than that. Um, that would be a significant increase in inflation. I would argue if that happens again next month, it's also probably transitory. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I, I was pleased that the vice chairman of the Fed used that exact word two days ago in describing the inflationary push that we're seeing. So you've got pent-up demand, you have supply chain messes all over the place, you've got prices going up because people have got to pay more to get what they want. And the question is, will that stay as a new floor or will that fall off when the supply chain gets sorted out? And now we have a perfect example. We got Colonial, right? So the the, the 5,000 mile pipeline closes down, Price of gas, 60% of the gas stations in Georgia don't have gas today. And the price of gas went up, I don't know, 10, 15 cents. It was at $2. Right. over $3 and, for the first time on a, well, on a national average. National average. But Georgia, which is usually at the lowest in the $2 change, right. It, right. they went up, you know, 10, 15 cents. So, yeah. the, the, yes, there's a temporary spike. Will that hold? No. How can that hold? Once, I mean, right now there's actually enough fuel everywhere in the south, in the northeast. It's the it's the panic buying that's causing right. disruption because the trucks delivering the, the fuel from the main depots, which never ran out, by the way. Did you know that the storage in New Jersey never ran out? The storage Just in Georgia getting it from the storage. Yeah, because the, the truck gas. would take it yeah. to one gas station and people all flocked there. Right. Hundred, and of course so they would run out and they had to go to we, another. We understand panic buying now after yeah, the yes. paper. Crisis of it's last year. That's right. It's the we toi- all understand panic buying. It's the toilet paper crisis of <laughs> the 2021. The toilet paper of 2021, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that the, the that I'm not worried about inflation yet. Um, I think that uh, it would not surprise me if inflation went from two to maybe even two and a half or three percent when it flattens itself out, say within three months when the supply mm-hmm. chain works itself out, the kinks out of that. And that's at least three months away. Uh, in fact, nothing else. The chip shortage is going to take longer now. Chip shortage might not be cured for another six months to a year. Right, and and, and I was just listening to a podcast this morning about chip shortage and uh, digital currency miners, okay. uh, cryptocurrency miners. Yes, because they're buying chip. They're also in the market for chips. These chips, and yeah. so it's surprising. Like everyone's wanting these chips. The car makers, the game gamers, the the cryptocurrency miners, and um, there's cell phones, cell phones, computers. Yep. Yeah. Compute, yeah, all all of these manufacturers need them. It's because it, our whole world is yeah. electronics now. So, so if I were to do this show a month from today, hopefully we will. I'd love to see what the inflation rate looks like then and why. And and I'm prepared for something in the neighborhood of a three and a half percent, say say two and a half to three and a half percent inflation rate. And I think that's perfectly tolerable. But we won't know that next month because the supply chains will be kinked. Mm-hmm. So. What I would say to people is this is not a time to be running around afraid of inflation. This is a time to be celebrating a great growth in GDP. Um, people now, I'd say the consensus in the economists is the economy is going to grow by about 6.2% this year upcoming. Uh, I think that's low. I think it's going to be well over 7%. It could be as high as 8 And I, those numbers, we haven't seen numbers like that since 1951. If you want to think about it, that's pretty amazing. That's incredible. That was before Eisenhower was president. <laughs> okay, just to give you some idea how far back this goes that way. So we're looking at a phenomenal year ahead of us. Now, if that phenomenal year 
doesn't get fed additional stimulus. And if we don't use the money that we need to spend now for infrastructure, which I'll come to in a moment, then what will happen is we will miss a golden opportunity where we had the ability to borrow the money and the price was still cheap. Right. So since we've been running at about two, two and a half percent inflation for many years now, that you can buy it still for close to three, three and a half means the government would be crazy not to borrow at those prices. Mm -hmm. And if you borrow at those prices and build the infrastructure today, you get something that's worth something for 50 to 100 years and you paid in 2021 dollars for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the infrastructure bill, he's absolutely right. And by the way, we need it for other reasons. We're not competitive anymore. No, we're not. We're just not competitive. You know, we've gone from the best in so many things to one of the worst in so many things of the advanced industrial economies. So for my, for my thought, I, I love the Biden bill, definitely in the 2.4 to 2.6 trillion range. It does not scare me. I think it's a fine number. I think it'll get cut down. I think uh, raising the corporate tax rate, for, remember Trump took it in 2017. For, was it 2017? Yeah, if he took yeah. it down from 20, from 38%. Like 30, was it 38 or 35? 38%. Okay, 38% down to 22 Yeah. Or 21, something like that. And now they're talking about bringing it back to 25, which is still less than where Trump cut it. Right. Significantly gave, less. Yeah. And by the way, we saw as a result, as a direct result, we saw a tremendous amount of stock buybacks. Right. So money not used in any way, shape, or form to help the economy, which is clear because it didn't, all went in the pockets of the top 1% or 2%. That, to me, is one of the craziest things about this whole story. Why would we want to have a country where the top 2% is who we protect and the person surviving at basically the poverty rate, we want to punish them. It doesn't make any sense. It's not morally right. And it's bad economics. So Biden's stimulus bill, great idea. There'll be, you know, he's got to satisfy. Uh, I saw a cute article that said the, the road to Biden's stimulus runs through West Virginia, mm -hmm. right? Because you got Caputo and you got Manchin in West Virginia. And so there's going to be a deal. I don't know what it will be. And it will take care of, for sure, roads, bridges, hopefully the water systems, which need to be badly mm -hmm. replaced. But I believe that he is correct that child care is infrastructure now. I believe it is. And elder care, too. Elder care is also. I also believe that we should never charge anybody to go from pre-K all the way through to two years of junior college. And frankly, I think it ought to be all the way through four years of college. In some countries, advanced, most advanced countries, you can go all the way through your PhD for free. Uh, and when you take the debt load off of our students that the, that the current system creates, you free up a tremendous amount of productivity and you free up a tremendous amount of uh, flexibility. Right now, students coming with these huge debts really don't have the opportunity to be very experimental with what they do next. They, right. they, they got to be like worried about how am I going to just pay the interest? So those people, this is an interesting anomaly. So, you know, Biden froze the interest on student loans if you owed the money to the government. He did not freeze the interest if you owe the money to the banks, which most people do. Right. And remember, those banks were given those loans with guarantees of 100% repayment. From the government. From the government. So they had no risk, zero risk, and they were protected so that even if a student goes personally bankrupt, they can't shed the debt. No, the only way you can get out of it is to die. And, right. and if you suspend your payments, the interest continues to accrue and you can end up owing more than you borrowed. And even if you die, you could, your estate could end up paying it if you have a life insurance policy. That so, I mean, it's just insane. It's okay. in unconscionable. And um, uh, Benjamin, our producer, just pointed out that infrastructure has a multiplier effect. For yes. every dollar spent, you're going to get at least $2 five to $5 five. 
five back to, into the local economy. Yeah, and that's called the multiplier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, yeah. it's very. It's, so it's and, economics one hundred one. Would you say that that's just the case for hard physical infrastructure assets like bridges and roads no. and pipes? Because I would think that in, in investing in the human capital, the education, the the childcare, the elder care, all of these kinds of things, even really having a healthy population is super important. That that will pay back. Yeah, I think that the the likelihood what we've learned in the modern economy is investments in quote software right far exceed investments in hardware this is not the industrial age anymore we're not running with steam engines by that same logic i would argue that a better education educated population is a far more realistic way to invest in infrastructure than a new I, uh, than I a new road totally you may not be agree. driving on in a I year i totally agree i mean if we are really if this is the information age yeah which then is we need to have a populace who is engaging with information in a way which is yeah. uh, thoughtful and, and yeah. educated, yeah. intelligent. And so, totally. So, so in terms of paying for all this stuff, I think Biden's right. I think 28% for corporate rate, which is still 10% below what it was, 8 to 10% below what it was before Trump came and along and gave a president. And I think below what it was in the Clinton years as well. Oh, yeah. well, And way below what it was back in the Eisenhower years. Right. <laughs> so, so I think that's first off. Number two, I do believe that the... It'll end up at about 25 because Manchin said he'll vote for it at 25. So that's mm -hmm. where it's going to end up. That's the joke about runs West Virginia, right? Um, and I don't think that's high enough for corporate taxes. Uh, I also think that the getting rid of the capital gains tax is a great idea. Getting rid of the capital gains tax or increasing the tax? I mean, tax? getting rid of the capital gains exemption for tax. Right. In other words, taxing capital gains like ordinary income. Right. Uh, on the theory that if I make money selling a stock, why, has that get charged, why do I get charged less than if I got paid for digging a ditch? Right. Obviously, again, it's a blue collar, white collar thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm someone actually who that would hit quite hard because I've been working my whole life to build up assets that I could sell to keep the academy going. And I've been taking capital gains in many cases. So I'm going to have to pay a much higher tax bill if I keep selling stuff to keep the academy and the show going. And I'm okay with that because I think if I, may, if I pay more taxes, I get a better society. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for it. Um, I also think that the, um, the argument, I'm just going to touch on salt. On the state and local tax issue. It's called SALT. And I do live in a blue state, California, so you could argue this is biased in that sense, but I don't think it is. I think the SALT cap is wrong. Mm -hmm. I think it's a terrible mistake. And why? Because we increasingly need to spread the burden of social programs beyond the federal government. States with higher tax burdens typically deliver way more benefits to their society. And, and isn't it sort of peculiar that in in the in the tax bill that puts a cap on the SALT tax yeah. deduction. I mean, that's the federal government sort of trying to monkey with state governments. Yeah. You know, it, and and isn't that the argument that the GOP has always been going against? Well, but like the, the, the federal... okay, there is no GOP anymore. Okay. The GOP is yeah. You, you saw the letter that came out today from 100 former Republicans or Republicans that are formerly yeah. office holders. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically, for a new, a new yeah, party. I mean, there, there's, yeah. there's the Republican Party basically committed public, a well, public self-execution. It's the self -execution the Trump party. It's, it's, a, a, it's, it's the party a, of Trump. It's the party of Trump. It's the party of insurrection. Mm -hmm. It's the party that doesn't believe in democracy. It's the party that uh, would prefer to suppress votes rather than have a, a, a contest of ideas. But back to the salt thing. So why am I in favor of salt? Because I want the salt cap, cap removed because if the state of California, where I live, which has a very high tax rate, 
taxes me and spends the money, which it used to on the University of California and on a better road system and on a better series of, of regulations, I believe that's a good thing. And so if I pay the tax to California for some social benefit, i.e. higher mm -hmm. education, that's just as good as paying it to the federal government for some social benefit, i.e. higher education. Right. So I'm all for the salt cap going away, uh, and I think it's smart. Yeah. By the way, I, I just, saw this, recommend, this, this, this summary, and I'm going to read this. Um, based on Congressional Budget Office uh, data, uh, Joseph Stiglitz, who I happen to like a lot, calculated the percentage of people who would file using the salt tax by state. Mm -hmm. So 34% in New York, 41% in Connecticut. That doesn't sound like the top 2%, does it? No. 41% um, in New Jersey, California only 33, interesting. Washington, D.C., 39, Massachusetts, 36, Illinois, 32, Maryland, 45, Rhode Island, 32, Vermont, 27. And just to be clear, the, the there's a cap right now at $10,000. Right. Previously, there was a no cap. Right. And now in all of those states you just listed at those percentages, people are losing out on being able to claim the full deduction that they were able right. to claim. And, they're pay and it's for money so they're paying the government. It's for money that they're paying to the government for government yeah. services yeah. in their state. So if you believe yeah. in federalism, which I do, then you want to be able to have money collected at the state level on the theory that they have best sense of where to put the local resources. And you want money collected at the federal level. Well, great. But it, it shouldn't be taxed if you pay it in one place and not in the other. Mm -hmm. You should be given a credit. If you pay a tax in Spain and you're a corporation, I can credit against my U.S. tax. Mm -hmm. If I pay a tax in California, I should be able to credit against my U.S. tax. Right. Because it's going for the same thing, a public purpose. Right. And so I don't, I don't believe in salt tax remaining, the cap on salt tax remaining. I also think that the... Um, the idea, the most dangerous idea that um, in Biden's whole proposal, the one that is... Dangerous? In dangerous, what way? Dangerous. In what way dangerous? Dangerous to whom? Dangerous to the current economic order. Okay. Is giving an extra $80 million a year for tax enforcement. I love that. Do you know how much money that's going to create? That's uh, going to create yeah. tens of billions because so many people are that. cheating. Yeah. It's just so wrong. I mean, <clears throat> you, you know, well, you don't know, but Matt knows. We pay a lot of money for uh -huh. tax here, tax advice and tax filing and all kinds of stuff. And I'm okay with that because it's part of my civic duty. The idea that somehow um, we would walk away from the responsibility to pay for the society we want, because I have friends, very wealthy friends, who have pecked up and left. I, they I, went to Texas. I know, they went to Florida. I know lots of people who've done that and who are, they hate paying taxes as if it's an yeah, and insult I to them as an American. Yeah, if I can afford it, I love paying taxes. Yeah. I, I love because, and I don't want to overpay my share. No. But I, but I think Reasonable I like paying taxes, my share. Yeah. It's, it feels good to be able to contribute and to be in a place if you have the means and you have the wealth. And you, right. can, you can help to yeah. support a, a, the economy and the society that you like living in. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it's true, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that we are, because Biden is such a decent human being, and because he's really trying to rebalance the economy so that the little guy can win again, I really hope uh, that um, we'll come out of this next two years, and it, we'll see what happens. If, because of gerrymandering and voter suppression, it's entirely possible that the House will be lost and the right. Senate mm -hmm. in, in a year. And if that happens, then, you know, all bets are off. If it doesn't happen, if we can get past this next crisis of government, which is the ability of a small minority to control 
the future of the majority. Okay. And, and for those of you who don't know, and I wrote a series of articles called Let My People Go mm-hmm. in the Montecito Journal. I think it's four separate articles on all the ways the system is rigged against the majority. And we become as a minority rule country. That's a terrible problem. And if we get by this problem, which it's all going to come to a head now because of Trump. It's going to come to a head in 2022. If we survive 2022, I have a really good feeling for how long this is going to roll. I mean, we're going to have an extremely good 2021 and a great 2022. If 2022 is a surprise and it looks more and more like we're not going to be able to stop voter suppression, it looks like we're not going to stop gerrymandering. The John Lewis bill is not going to get through. Uh, the We the People Act doesn't get through, and both of those should get through. They're very important. If they don't get through, I'm going to be going to my bunker. <laughs> it's going to be time to get a little concerned. Um, and so I just I wanted to share that with you, that this political instability that we're going through is not only toxic on the obvious level, not only is it setting us against each other, which is why Biden keeps saying, as he did again today, there's nothing we can't do if we do it together. Right. He's absolutely right. But this 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 make wrong that's trying to happen. So I I don't know why people are willing to drink Trump's Kool-Aid. I really mm-hmm. don't. I don't think anybody knows why. I think that we know that the Republican office holders are drinking it because they're afraid of getting primaried. Right. It's not about true belief. Yeah. I mean, maybe for a few of them it is, but for most part, it's it's a political calculation. Yeah, and, and, and I did a column which appeared today on um, let's start a new, let's let's have a new let's have a party where I talk about the fact that Liz Cheney could actually end up doing what she wants to do, which is taking the Republican Party back. And the way it would happen is if she gets primary in Wyoming by a Republican who's a Trumpy, she could run as a third party candidate. There's a party there called the Constitution Party. Sounds just like old fashioned Republicans. Mm-hmm. Same kind of charter as old fashioned Republicans. So she becomes a Constitution Party nominee. She's a Cheney in Wyoming, so she's going to get elected. So she comes up the middle. Political dynasty. Yeah, the Republican, the Democrats split the remainder, and she comes up the middle, and she wins. And then she's proven you don't have to be a Trumpy, or you don't have to worry about getting primary because the general election is actually more important. Isn't something like that happened to Lisa Murkowski in Alaska? Yeah, something like that. And, and she's actually, she came through. She came through. She came through, she came through yeah. as a write-in candidate. Yeah, which things. is even with a name like Murkowski. I know. Although her father was governor for a long okay, time, so yeah. they did not spell Again, it. another political dynasty. Yeah. Again, yes. But I think that um, Dick Cheney, and, and it's funny because I have no love lost for the politics of Liz or Dick Cheney, but that, to know that Liz Cheney voted with Trump 98, 97% of the time and Stefanik only voted with him about 68% of the time, way less. She's way more moderate. <clears throat> and they threw Cheney under the bus because she wouldn't embrace the big lie she wouldn't, and peddle yeah. it. I just give her so much credit for that. And, and I talk think, about character, by the way. We're talking about character. And, and you know what? And talk about smart. I think that's yeah. crafty. I yeah. think that, that her father, Dick Cheney, is all over that one. Mm-hmm. Because he knows the Trump thing's not sustainable. Either it's going to come unwound because of social unrest. It's going to come unwound because he's in jail or under indictment. Or it's going to come he's unwound. He's just a lunatic. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's just it, people are going to people are, are going to see eventually that they don't have any opportunity mm-hmm. to continue to succeed at what matters to them. Will everybody get that? No. No, I, I think right now you're probably talking about 17% of the total population of America is probably Trumpy in, in the cult. That's a big number, to be sure. But it isn't 70 or 80 million, which right. is what they keep quoting. So <clears throat> what's going to happen, and we see it already, is lots of people have left the Republican Party. It started with intellectuals like George Will and Billy, Bill Crystal and the others. And now it's it's gotten much wider. When Liz Cheney was getting thrown out, 
Mitt Romney didn't wait this time and said, that's wrong and stupid. That's going to cost us votes. And he's right. It should cost a lot of votes. And But for gerrymandering and voter suppression, it would mean it would put the Republican Party into such a deep hole. I don't think they'd ever climb out of it, which is the history of parties in America anyway. So I want to come back, though, to where we started. Um, we gave a lot of advice on the show about what to do with money. Right. And I and just want to I want to report to people because we used to do this every every show and I'm going to do it today. And, and this is the question that I'm getting from our listeners who still are writing. And so what does Ronaldo think about gold? Okay. So <laughs> what does Ronaldo so, think so about? Just, so uh, what's today? Today's Thursday. On Tuesday, I bought a bunch more gold. Okay. So you're still buying gold. I'm in other buying words, gold. You're still buying gold. No, I'm definitely not selling gold. And I'll tell you why. So we first started tracking this in uh, October of 2018. I said, you know, I don't know if gold's going to go up or sideways, but I want to go to sleep every night not worrying. And with gold, I'm going to be able to do that until it turns, until the economy turns around. So here's what happened since October 2018. Gold has gone up 48%. Didn't do so bad, did I? That's no, good. No. If you got in 2018, you're fine. Yeah. And you're still, I think you're fine. You get in 2021. I'll tell you why in a second. And during that same period of time, just to give you some um, comparison, the Dow only rose 33%. For all the vaunted craziness that's been going on in the market this last year, the Dow's only up 33% in that time. And the S&P tied gold did 48 also. So this year, you've seen an incredible rise in the stock market in the face of all logic. Right. Okay. So... We have a bubble. I don't think anybody disagrees with that, that it's a bubble. There is now this unbelievably crazy, distorted idea on Wall Street that this bubble won't pop, that there's no, there, there's no way but up for this market, that it can't come down for any reason. So the fact that we are over 100% higher in any conventional multiple analysis of what the value of a stock is, and in some cases like Tessa, you can't even put a percentage to it. It's just so silly, right? So why is this happening is because the retail investor, and, and you saw this best in the, in the tragedy over GameStop, mm -hmm. the retail investor, particularly the young people who are playing on Robinhood, which is, you know, there's this old Greek saying, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. Drink deep or touch not the Perean spring. If I have time, I'll tell you what the story is behind that. It's a true story, by the way. But the idea is, if you can't sit around and drink enough water to get smart, don't just take a sip and run. The Robinhood investor, is not capable. You're playing in a, ve in a very shallow part of the pool. It's like betting <laughs> against, <laughs> yeah, and you're playing against Las Vegas in Las Vegas. Right, right. Okay, because... And the, the people who are in the deep end, who understand these things, who, who do control it, how who much water is in the pool. Exactly. <laughs> are going to drown you... Every time. Every time. Yeah, so one of the things that's not in Biden's plan, which I'm sorry about because I wish it were, uh, is a tax. Mm -hmm. on every stock. A trade. A, a trade tax. It yeah. should be like, you know, it could be a penny. For every share that trades, one penny goes to the government. Now, both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren think that would raise a massive amount of money. It wouldn't, because what would happen is program trading would stop. So program trading stops, the velocity of shares drops by probably 60% or more. And would that, like, take the air out of that bubble? Yeah, that bubble's gone. The bubble would be gone. Because you and... can't program trade if you have to pay a penny per share. You're making about one mil, one thousandth of a penny every one thousandth of a second. So, in other words, the stock market would, would basically normalize or correct. Yeah, the start with stock. And, that's right. And that would, it would create charge. that would create a massive panic. Yeah, wouldn't would, that create kind of a panic? Well, it would pop the bubble. It would pop the bubble, but yeah. so many people now have the mistaken belief that the stock market has something to do with the economy. 
She doesn't. It has nothing to do with it. Nothing. And tracking the stock market is, is it's you know, it's like tracking a horse at the yeah. Kentucky Derby. And you know, this is the one time, that, and obviously the stock market being up has made people feel good. It usually adds to consumer confidence. But the reason consumer confidence is so high right now, it's, it's like it's up probably the highest it's been in at least 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And that's because of pent-up demand and because everybody's saved cash and the all-time savings rate, as I said, is an all-time high. And it really feels great to go to a restaurant once you're vaccinated and you're going, getting your hair cut, all of these things that we have not been able to do. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so why not buy stocks, people ask me, in companies that are good companies? Um, And the answer is because the valuations are too high. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when the tide goes out, every boat in the harbor sinks lower. Mm-hmm. Right, and the tide comes in, every boat rises. So all the boats are too high. The mm-hmm. market's at at least a one hundred percent premium to any any rational historical standard, at least a hundred percent. So it's going to pop. Now people thought it would never, the bubble over tulips would never pop, and surely it did. Mm-hmm. That in fact, I can't think of a single bubble that hasn't popped. You know, ex- what was it? Such an exuberance. What was what he called it? The irrational exuberance. Exactly, irrational exuberance. Yep. So. It is an irrational exuberance to believe that the market can only go in one direction. That's like saying what goes up doesn't have to come down. Mm-hmm. And we know that gravity still exists. We haven't defied the laws of gravity. So I think what's going on right now is a opportunity. Get in gold, stay in gold. It's about eighteen forty an ounce. It's not going to go down substantially. Uh, it's probably going to continue to creep up its bit as it's been doing. Uh, it was at seventeen hundred, and it was it was a, it was at least at least 100 points lower just a week ago, 10 days ago. So it, it, it quietly moves up, and then it slowly edges back $6, and it goes up $20, and it comes back down $12. It, it just keeps moving along. And it's, it, you can go to sleep every night knowing nothing's wrong. You're gonna, you're, you're, your gold's going to be good in the morning, and we recommend a gold fund like GLD. Now, what do you do about the fact that you'd like to invest in something that looks like it might be really smart to invest? Well, the answer is then, if you really want to do that work, go find something where the ratio of the profitability of the company is still within some reasonable percentage of what its stock is selling for. So let me give you an example. Uh, we used to say that a 15x times earning, 15 times earnings, would be a decent multiple okay, on the S&P. If you can find a stock with a great potential growth track that's trading at or below 15x today, go give it a shot. Because that stock's not going to get, should not get whacked when the market gets whacked. It will get whacked some, but not badly. And if it's a stock that has dividend potential, it will withhold even better its value. I think that there are people who, um, who may be listening who have a percentage of the money that they want to set aside for what I call gambling, because going into mm-hmm. the market is a gamble. I would say, fine, gamble on things you believe in, that you know are going to happen. Do you know there's going to be less fossil fuel sold five years from today than today? Yeah, yes, you know that. You know that. So right. go buy it. Go, go, go buy into that market. Into, um, into this, the market selling renewable off energy. Fossil, new, Renewable energy. Renewable right, right, energy right. market. You know, yeah. um, Do you believe that Biden will succeed bringing more manufacturing back to this country? Absolutely. Of course he will. It's already happening. The largest chip maker in the world is in Taiwan, and they're coming here with a new factory in Phoenix. And it's going to be a huge factory. And it's the most advanced chips in the world, which, by the way, is why we won't let the Chinese, in case you're wondering, take over Taiwan. Right. It would stop our economy. So they can't have that right now. Yeah. It's more than a rice bowl at stake. It's all the most advanced. It would take us 10 years to catch TMSC. That's the company, TMSC in Taiwan. It will take us 8 to 10 years to catch them from where they are today. 
which we don't have to give. So we can't let that happen. They're doing something smart, building a plant here in mm -hmm. Phoenix. Once that's up and operational, I think Taiwan's at greater risk. But that's right. a couple of years away. And for the next couple of years, China cannot have Taiwan. So where are we going? Well, the economy is going to trend up very, very well. As I said, I think we're looking, I'm going to be really optimistic. I think that um, because Biden's doing such a great job, I'm going to go for something in excess of 7%, which is not the consensus. The economy consensus, as I said earlier, 6.2%. I think we have more than 7% growth. And I will say that that's going to happen if you were to take this month out over the next 12 months. So take our rate and annualize it over the next 12 months. And that's pretty conservative because the economy is going to be ramping up in three or four months. Um, so if you took the full year number for 2022, you're going to see at least a 7% number. And I'm thinking you're going to see something trending above that before then. Um, and I think that's really exciting for a lot of reasons. And I think you're going to see <clears throat> minimum wage continue to go up. Mm -hmm. You're going to continue to see, and we did a lot of work on this in Just Capital, you would not believe how many companies during the pandemic have raised their starting wages. It's not just Target. It's not just Walmart. It's not just McDonald's. It's, it's all of them. They're all falling in line raising minimum wage. And I think that's going to, that bodes very, very well for reestablishing the middle class. So from my point of view, uh, it's going to be a great year in terms of economics. I think we're going to have a much more fair tax system. It's going to cost me more money, and I'm okay with that. And I think I, I trust that they will spend my money better. I think they will use the money well as opposed to give it to companies to do buybacks. Right, right. So, yeah, I'm all for paying for this with the increase on the taxes on income tax, corporate tax, elimination of the capital gains preference, and elimination of the cap on salt. Mm -hmm. That's where I think the optimum trajectory is for the best good for the greatest number. And I think, uh, I don't know if there's any questions you think we ought to touch on before we, we're almost out of time, I know. I think we're almost out of time. Have we covered everything you'd like to hear? I think so. I mean, and I guess, I guess you, I mean, you mentioned something about Taiwan and, and China. And, and I, I guess we don't really have time to do a whole international section. But I am curious if you have any thoughts. So domestically, it seems like we're, there's a, a lot of really positive upside potential. And you know we should mention, I know we should mention, we almost forgot. It happened so quietly, we didn't give it enough, we didn't do enough fanfare. What changed in the programs associated with child hunger? Yes. And child welfare in this country? And, and the fact that it's it's really been... Um, it's in the last bill. That's already happened. That's already happened. For and, this year, at least. And I'm hoping that they can... Yes. Well, they have to renew it. They have to renew it. They have it. to renew it. But, 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 but what happened there to bring 45% of child poverty to an end? 45%? Mm -hmm. That's enormous. That's enormous. And actually, in this last year, I think Americans had significantly lower hunger rates overall, not just for children, but... Um, Probably because had, because of all the um, yeah I think we the, I, I, the stimulus money that had that gone and out. I think people really hung together during the COVID I think, I think, think really, people that is I know our local um, we, the food we, we're very involved with in the food bank yeah. locally and I was just delighted to see how giving went up dramatically right. in our food bank yeah. and and uh, more people pitched in because mm -hmm. it was more pain but but I but back to this thing with the kids. You know, you were talking before about infrastructure and child education and how that's much better than building a new machine. Children who are hungry just don't learn well. Absolutely. So obviously it's worse if they're drinking lead because then they're poisoned for life and their brain acuity is permanently reduced. Terrible outcome. 
But it's also terrible if a child goes hungry in their learning years and therefore never reaches their potential and therefore we never reach our potential right. one generation from now. Right. So I'm really, really grateful for what he did with kid, child poverty. And I think it's going to turn out to be one of those big things. I can't believe they'll let it go. But, you know, the Republicans, and to quote McConnell, you know, his only goal in life is to have a 100% opposition to everything Biden's doing. And that's exactly where he was with, with Barack that's, Obama. That's, that's how he handled it under Obama. And, and, and that's why the recession took so long to cure after Obama, mm-hmm. because they held him to $700 billion. What a pipe. Talk about pikers. We, we've already thrown. We, Biden's looking at $6 trillion, not $700 yeah. billion. No. And he's going to get most of it. He's going to get most of it. And that's what it takes to take this economy that's been mired in greed, and corporate misbehavior, and inappropriate tax structures, and incredible disequality on wages, and it's going to start to even it out. And it's not even going to hurt the people at the top 2%. It won't even yeah. hurt. They won't even notice it. And it'll help everybody else. I mean, for sure it'll help the bottom 50%. I'm going to argue it's going to help the bottom 65 to 70%. Mm-hmm. So it's a great trade-off. And I think that um, for people listening to this, uh, you should feel really good that uh, good times are back. And I think there's going to be a real chance that we could see something truly exciting if there is a, um, well, if, the, if, if, if HR1, We the People Act, mm-hmm. passes, if the John Lewis Voting Act passes, which puts an end to voter suppression and gerrymandering, I think you're going to see a phenomenal uh, 2022 and, and beyond. Well, yeah, well, maybe that happens. I do think it's in everybody's interest to reimagine our society along those lines. Exactly. It's time for us to it, reimagine it our society. Yeah. You know, and, and to give you some courage on that, the, the statistics I've read is that during the Revolutionary War, only about a third at the beginning of the war identified themselves as patriots. Over half uh, identified themselves as Tories, and the remainder as un- undecided. Of course, by the end of the war, there were no more Tories, right? Not because they killed them, but because... The well, war was over. And or, everybody, or they moved to Canada. Well, they signed up. They, they became part of... <laughs> they the, became the patriots or they moved to Canada. Well, they, they, they realized that we didn't punish them and they, they jumped in. So I'm hopeful that the, the Republicans who've lost their way with the Trump cult will re-embrace America, will re-embrace our way of life, and want to re-envision it as something cooperatively that does yes all the time instead of no all the time. Right. And that's where I'd like it to go, and I think that's where we can take it. But it's going to take a lot of political will. And, and don't kid yourself. We're not up against a small problem no, here. This we is have political to really issues. fight to maintain what we have and to take it to the That's next right. level. That's right. Um, otherwise, it, it'll just go back to the freaky chaos of yeah. 20. Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. Yeah. And um, and when we're looking at the necessity to rebuild our economy in, with renewable energy, because climate change will not right. That's not, not stop. And and it's I think the the quantifiably hottest decade ever and yeah. you know it's if you look at those maps and it's accelerating it's accelerating and it's getting yeah it's accelerating our, our drought we haven't had a really significant relief for the last 10 years well, our and aquifers the, are you know remember last year we used to talk a lot about how the moisture uh, in the yeah. sky yeah. is so much when the hot the heat is up that the um anyway the um the, the heat um, goes up, and that means there's more moisture in the air. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing these massive floods. You see massive floods, right. you see massive drought, you see forest um, fires. And you see worse tornadoes and hurricanes worse, because yeah, there's more heat. The instability is really happening Everywhere. on a Yeah, you know, I'll end with this. Alaska was just recharacterized as a non-ice uh, uh, 
year-round ice state. Well, it's like it, it's, no, it's now it's considered. A, it's can now considered like a normal a climate. It's a temperate it, it's climate a temperate, now. It's, a, it's, it's a, not a subarctic climate. It's that's temperate. Right. It's temperate it's temperate forest. Temperate rainforest. That's right. And you know what? All of that that the land, which is mostly frozen, which keeps things afloat. Now it's all going to become marsh, and these houses oh, yeah. are going to sink. And in fact, I, I got a request because you know I do work in, in the H two Clipper. I got a request. The, the the ice roads that they use yeah. in. Siberia and Alaska used to be you could build them and you could drive on them for nine months a year. There's yeah, only more. three months a year you couldn't. Now they're only good for about six months a year and you have to rebuild them again. And it's probably getting less and less. Less and less. And it's going to so, be four months, then three months, then you can't. So how do you get to the to, to Prudhoe Bay? Right. You can't drive there anymore. Yeah. And how do you get to Siberia from uh, Russia? You, you, don't. you don't. And how do you get all those minerals out of there? You know, and 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 you know, and and the fact that the scientists in the IPCC are finally coming to realize that methane's a bigger problem than CO two, you know, everybody's still looking at CO two. That ain't the problem that's going to kill us. That's right. sort of like you're you're standing there, a guy's holding a gun to your head, and there's a train coming, and you're standing on the tracks. The train is what you want to be worried about. Right. You can worry about right. the guy with the gun in a minute. He might miss. The train won't. And that's methane versus so uh, CO2. Have to get off. Get, get out from under the train. Get away from the train. Get away from the train. Let's get yeah. off that Tell track. Tell the guy to drop the gun let's and get, get off the off track. Get off that track and yeah. get onto a whole new, let's yeah. build a whole new road. Snidely whiplash. Tidely. <laughs> Girl on the railroad. Track. All right. Well, thank you. Let's, that was that's fun. it. That was fun. It's so, I hope people want us to do it again. And I we do will too. if they do. And I, it's just, I do think this is a really wonderful format. And I think that. Uh, it's great hearing your thoughts on all these things. I, we haven't sat down like this. We're like in the same room. <laughs> it's right. And now we're back it's in the right. office. And we're not wearing masks. Without masks. And it's just. Yeah. We've been out of the office nice. for a year. We, we left the office in February, I think. It was more than. It was uh, March. The middle of March. Was it? We left? closed the office. Yeah. And yeah. we just opened it beginning of May. And it's not even. We're still in a hybrid kind of learning. It's yeah. Kind yeah. Of hybrid. Yeah. And it will be. Office. It will be. For I think a few it more will months. be. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. And you know what? what next time we do a show, like? we'd like to talk about that. Yeah. The work balance what does, is changing so yeah. dramatically, and I think these are permanent changes. Some of them. So, for example, the people who are moving to the country, so to speak, because they can work from anywhere. They now realize many companies are not going to put up with that. I mean, and many of the Wall Street firms have already said, "Get back to the job." As Solomon Goldman. Well, Goldman for sure. I think J.P. Morgan Chase have said, "Look, you, we're going to let you work out from home some, but not a lot, and yeah, start coming back to, to work." Back. I think it's interesting because people who trust other people are going to save a lot of money on rent. <laughs> yeah, there is something about having at least I don't know once a week a check in, or at least when you start a job, having a grounding of a personal. Um, well, I, I going further. I think contact. there's a, I think there's value to. to in-person contact period but i don't think it's as required as it used to be no. and we learned that we can zoom and we can we can do zoom and we can i think a hybrid situation is what is going to yeah, evolve yeah, that's what It'll i think so too into a hybrid i do too i agree and, yeah. and i am surprised i did not zoom once before it started and i've come to find that i can do more on zoom than i could when absolutely, i was absolutely absolutely yeah i just i just put out again an article by john d adams who's a fellow of the academy in our last week's uh, newsletter that he was he wrote in I think two thousand and two about dispersed work and the nature of yeah. how do you manage a dispersed team and I found that such an interesting article and we have lots of great stuff like that in our archives oh we do tons so of that's it. another project I would like to get funded is how do we bring all of our archives out into the world again how do we find them well I, I know where they all are they're oh, all good. They have I hope in, you do we have them in a I don't. box folder but they're not indexed in any way you have yeah to sort of we've always needed a library yeah. never had one yeah yeah no that's interesting. 
All right. Well, well thanks very thanks much, so everybody. Much. Thanks for joining us. And um, hopefully we'll be connecting maybe, again maybe, maybe in the not-too-distant future. Not-too-distant future. No promises, but we're no going to look for it. All right. <laughs> we hope so. Have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great year. And congratulations. You made it through the pandemic. We made it If you through. haven't got your vaccination yet, please protect yourself and your kids and your friends and your whoever you care about and get vaccinated. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.